That sounds ominous. Sounds like uh, Terminator 2 or... I don't know. What do you call that other Blade Runner? I've got this one for you, man. I've got bad news, Concha. (laughs) What's happened? It's the lawyers. They called again. Fucking lawyers. It's about your court case. According to them, uh, your alibi was uh, not real. And uh, basically, you're going to be found guilty. Okay? So think about that. No, it's not okay. What what, what am I guilty of? Oh, they didn't say. (laughs) But you're going to get community service. Or probably... uh, like a 15, 56 pound fine. <laughs> Something like that. Okay, so. You better it's going to be, be very hard for me to the show. You better be a good boy in the future. Yeah, well, I'll do my service and pay my money. And How, how bad of a bad boy are you, Concha? I think I'm quite a good boy. Did you know that they're real bad boys around East Belfast. You know, they they drive scooters. That's how you know <laughs> they're bad. <laughs> if you want to be, if you want to be a good, a proper bad boy, you've got to have a scooter. Do you mean like elect, like the electric scooters, or just the ones you? Electric scooter. You, you you'll be walking along, and all of a sudden, <laughs> the, the scooter boys are here. <laughs> be careful! They might bloody throw an egg at your car. It's bloody terrifying, really. They're a menace, <laughs> these scooter boys. You know, these bad boys, they give each other backies on their scooters. Do they? It looks so hilarious. Because <laughs> they're well, tough. We're the tough boys. <laughs> Jump on the back there. <laughs> I'm concerned that some of our audience may have scooters. Well, I better watch my mouth. Yeah. I don't want to do. get in trouble with the scooter parade. You were going to go for it again. Just not. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. There's seven scooter boys around me right now. (laughs) What what am I going to do? Here comes a bikey guy. He's on a bike. (laughs) He's the leader of the scooter boys. Quite a jam, isn't that what the kids say nowadays? I heard people were saying... Oh, that's a complete vibe. It's a vibe. Another one is, um, what is it again? Uh, that slips. Oh, yeah. That, oh, com- that, that just slipped me right in the face. Yeah. I, I can't get into that one. Can't get into it. That slaps. Ow, it just slapped me. <laughs> Ow. Stop it! <laughs> Stop slapping me! For crying in a bucket. Oh, that's a that's a vibe. That's a vibe. Yeah, you know what else is quite of a vibe? Um, driving around on a scooter with your friend on the back, and then lighting things on fire, getting a deodorant can and spraying it into a, a flame. 
Yeah. This is beginning to sound quite personal. <laughs> <laughs> you know what else is a vibe? Uh, bloody littering all over the place. <laughs> did, did nothing like this ha- ever happen in Kimbleberry? Kimbleberry is a quiet town. I was the I was the the big nuts in Kimbleberry. <laughs> Anyone wanted to sell um, bloody pancakes? Lemonade stand wants to open. Uh, they had to come to me, boy. Our guest this week is Malaki, and yeah, amazing spoken word rap rap hip hop artist does it all. Uh, lyrically, I mean. I'm so, I've been so impressed. I hadn't, I really hadn't, to be honest, I hadn't heard of Malagi before when you was coming on and like I was completely captivated by his music and like the music videos are just, I don't know, really, really good. And yeah, exce- ex- super excited to have him on. Uh, part of that vibrant hip hop scene within Dublin, like I guess within Ireland in general, it's just so, so many artists coming out. So really excited to speak with him. Anyway, um, enough of this. It's time to start the show, so let's bring on today's guest, Malachi. Liquid Chords. So we're here with Malachi. How are you getting on, man? Great. How are you, Connor? Yes, I'm good. I'm good. We're delighted to have you. Um, you've just re- just off the back of releasing Riddler. Uh, <laughs> Do you want to think? I was like l- looking at your music videos and like super impressed with all of them. They're just so I don't know what what the word visceral. Like it's uh, who do you work with? Um. So my first music video I did was I worked with a gentleman called Feetsy. Uh, his name is Michael Fitzpatrick, but he approached me uh, about two years ago, and that was my debut music video. And that was just done through as like a budget of about hundred quid. Wow, that's like one of the best music videos I've seen. Yeah, so um, it's it does. I mean, I started that was about two years ago, and it's. I mean, people forget the benefit of using your family and friends, and that's all I use. It was good creativity, family and friends, because at that time I didn't have a lot of money. So we kind of just did a did our thing, and it came out really well. And now I've released a music video for the Riddler. Um, I got the pleasure of working with Albert Huey, who's done some incredible stuff. Um, I tr- I directed that with him. Um, so I've been trying to get into directing my own music videos and trying to get him as much involved as possible. Um, because that's what I love about artists. I think it's really, really cool when they're not just handing over some ideas or concepts to people just to create when they are hands-on and getting as much involved as possible. Yeah, absolutely. And just, I should mention that you said Fitzy. What was the song I was talking about? The one it fits, was the paper prophecies. Yes, paper prophecies. Where you're walking in the street. Yes, that yeah, was. Yeah, we did a hundred euro budget, and we spent fifty of that euro on pizza. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I don't think there's one scene of you eating the pizza. So that was just. Means <laughs> if you check that out. Yeah. Um, no, that and it's great, great video. Thank so, you. like, I was when you go on to your YouTube channel immediately like a video comes up and it's kind of like you reflecting on like 2018, 2019. I thought it was quite nice. It's like very unique. Um, And straight away, I think thing off the bat, the first thing it said, and you know, you tell me as much about this as you want, you feel comfortable, but 2018, it says, you know, you were at kind of like extremely low point. No, you know, you felt like you didn't have any friends. You felt like you were very isolated. Like, 
was music a thing in your life before or did you find music during this time like tell me about that period you know connor music was always in my life but i didn't come from a very a musical background no one in my family plays an instrument or really listens to music there's no poets there's no writers creativity is not really something within my family and my wider family it's very much college masters uh, working nine to fives so it was a little bit weird to, for me to be doing this but i always spent a lot of my time writing poetry uh, finding escapism within music and learning a lot about myself through music so when i really gravitated towards that around 16 or 17 i really latched onto it and i kept it close to my heart and when i struggled with depression at 18 and 19 that's when it really kind of grew on me and i used it as a coping mechanism and uh, not only that but not only listening to it but i started writing uh, every day i started writing about my own struggles and the struggles in which i see within my friends and my family and i got um i've made a friend called matthew harris who i work with regularly because he's an amazing person and an unbelievable artist so when i've met him we just went hand in hand you know it was it, it was it was almost like I, i'm not really religious in any way but it was just it was just felt like it was meant to be and it was some sort of uh it, it would just fit so well because i was looking for a producer and someone who plays an instrument whilst he was looking for new ideas and experimenting with rappers and lyricists so when that happened we came together and i wrote a song called call us by our names which is like a spoken word piece and uh, that spoke about kind of my frustrations with life dealing with anxiety and depression and seeing my friends go through it so yeah, I mean, music was something I always had, but it only really grew and got stronger as I struggled. And then with that, I kind of flourished through music. So I'm very, very grateful for it. I don't think I'd be here today without it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we've spoken a lot. There's, a, there's obviously a very, like a very vibrant rap scene in Ireland, and it's definitely, you know, more and more so coming to the mainstream, coming to the fore. But was was rapping like hip hop music, rap music? Was it something that you've always been into, or again, did you find it quite late? Was was it always going to be the vessel that you used to like release your words and lyrics, or you know? How did that I'd love if I could sing. I can't sing, unfortunately. You know, <laughs> yeah. I've to belt out an unbelievable, unbelievable set of vocals, but unfortunately, I can't. But that's not saying I never will, you know, there's people like Mac Miller and stuff that don't particularly have a singing voice, but he has a nice voice to listen to. So who knows on the later work, but um, oh, I got introduced to hip hop at a very young age. I will say when I did say no to my family, my fam my brother was a big hip hop fanatic. So he would, he introduced me to a tribe called Quest, Jay-Z, like older stuff, Fireside, Nas. And I remember walking into the room and he was listening to a tribe called Quest, Electric Relaxation. and these guys kind of have some jazz influence, some hip hop, some soul. And I never heard anything like it. So I sat down myself and I heard that, asked them what it was and listened to it, and I was just taken by it. And I think shortly after that, I started listening to Biggie Smalls. And I really gravitated towards them because I, I really liked poetry, but poetry wasn't something that a young man would listen to. So what these pretty much poets did, they did it with a beat and a flow and I love this. And I think I fell in love with hip hop. Um, so for the time being, I think I'm going to stick with hip hop and rap and spoken word because poetry is where my roots are. And that's how I started. So I guess we will we'll find out. But yeah, hip hop was always very close to me. Yeah. And just on that, uh, I mentioned that the hip hop scene, do you, would you have as many people, you've alluded to a couple there, but is, you know, would you, 
you consider yourself part of that you know do you, would you you know have many friends who are you know musicians are are in it um and yeah what's your kind of what's your familiarity with it yeah you know coming into it it was a weird thing coming into it because it's quite a small and fresh scene uh when there's some heads like mango who've been mango mathman who've been doing it for years but they're really only getting recognition now and people are starting to buy tickets which is great because the hip-hop scene in ireland is was great and there's unbelievable artists but unfortunately we don't kind of get the recognition we deserve but i really feel like it's coming and mm-hmm. um, the scene is really cool and i've had the pleasure of working with some great artists like nilo and george the second and stuff and I'm, there's no doubt in my mind that I'm going to be working more because I looked up to these guys when I was starting. And now that I'm within that kind of community, it's I'm privileged to be a part of it, you know, and to be seen as uh, like a person within it. Because when I was younger, it just felt like a bit of a dream to me. Also a little bit ridiculous because I think everyone in the back of their mind, that Irish hip hop is a little bit taboo. It's not something you really do, but fortunately... People are getting rid of that like agenda that the accent you can't listen to, or you know you can't you can't rap because you're from Ireland or Dublin. But rap isn't about that. It's about talking about your struggles from your area and your place. Just because it originated from a certain area doesn't mean you can't do that in your own way. So I'm really grateful to be a part of the scene at the moment because it's no doubt in my mind it's going to blow soon. Yeah, you know, it's a favorite. We've had like uh, Tabby Rags and we've had Nilo on. Nilo's a great guy really really yeah. interesting yeah. guy yeah gentleman total gentleman um so yeah things have been like it goes right then things have been going incredibly well at least from how i like you know from the outside for you and um you've been getting a lot of recognition and uh i guess one of the things i was quite interested in with you know one of the one of the songs that you've released you know they got a you know you performed it on the late show and um too yeah and i was curious about that like using such a well-known sample do you know like just your process of thinking okay and you totally make it your own man and it sounds it sounds great but you oh, know, it, it, like what what was it about that song that you made me th- made you think yeah how did it come about i'm just curious about the process of course i mean we were asked to do a cover and it was amazing that we got chosen to do this because the 75 other artists were some of the biggest, are some of the biggest in Ireland and some unbelievably well respected. Even like the president did his own rendition of it. So we were honored to be a part of this. But when we heard the word cover, I approached Matthew and I was like, I don't, I'm not, like I'm a rapper and I was the only rapper within it. All these people can pick up an acoustic guitar and sing their song and do their own little variation of it. But I was like, how am I going to put my own spin in this? So I decided to dissect the track completely and instead of doing a cover, kind of reimagine the song. So we started with the chords that Van Morrison wrote and Matthew, who features on that song, Van Morrison's part beautifully and it complements it so well. And then basically we just went through some, some drums and we found ones that suited. It was a really organic kind of growth it was we were sitting actually just downstairs in the basement of lucy's here and we didn't have a lot of time so we're under time pressure we did it all in the space of one day within about six or seven hours and uh matthew was like what is a way that we can kind of pay homage to van morrison and still kind of be recognized as a cover because at the time we only used his chorus or the verse that he used and there wasn't much else so it didn't really seem like we had that connection to him so i was like we could sample his voice 
and then I could reference some of his points that he makes in my own lyrics. So that's exactly what we did. So if you watch some, if you listen to some of his lyrics and some of mine, they actually coincide with each other. And then we obviously sampled the man's voice. So we needed to get permission for that, <laughs> uh, obviously. So what was amazing is like, I don't know much about him, but like, you know, we don't, we don't hear great things about the man, but I'm honored, I'm honored that he actually allowed me to use his vocals and sampled them. And he gave me a writing credit. So when you look on Spotify, it's the writing credit is Hugh Mulligan and Van Morrison, which is just insane for a 21 year old. My dad was climbing up the walls. He couldn't believe it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Sure, sure. And uh, yeah, and as you, as you said, like it's, it's been um, an interesting year for him. It's an interesting year. So I was grateful because I think he felt bad for musicians. And I was, I was, I was like, you feel whatever you want to feel. I, please let me be a part of this. Oh, I'm so happy, you know? It was yeah. great. Yeah, for sure, for sure. It's um, you know, who knows how how thing you know you, you can look back in a few years' time and you know realize how things actually really affect the pe people. You don't actually understand it at the time, you know. Of course, of course, um, it's complex. So moving on, like you've you've released a, an abundance of singles, and um, how many? Like probably like six or seven now, maybe something. Yeah, man, I'd say around six or seven, and then you know, th there's. There's the first EP, which is Butterfly Boy, and then the second, which is Cocoon, which is just something we did as a collaborative project during lockdown last year, just to kind of keep keep uh, keep people working and keep people collaborating, even though we couldn't meet. So every single song you heard on that was done, phone calls and emails and Zoom. So it was very tiresome, but we got through it. And um, it sounds great. You know, one of the songs on that project is over 4 million streams. So we did something right, and I'm really glad people liked it. Um, yeah gave people something to do and listen to while we're while we're in that terrible time yeah and it's it's resonating with people and do you th what do you see foresee now for yourself do you think about are you thinking about an album are you thinking about an ep what's what's the yeah i mean i have a lot in the works i think everyone always says that i've got yeah, keep an eye out there's loads going but like i mean every artist does because you work towards one thing and then straight away you're on to the next and I love that because it keeps my mind occupied and keeps me busy. And I'm always writing, which I love about myself. Um, but I've uh, I've a single that just released the Riddler, and that is a character called Calvero, which is kind of my alter ego. And I've always had an interest in alter egos from like people like like Slim Shady and MF Doom. Uh, I've always been intrigued by it, and I wanted to kind of do my own version of it because it, when I was in my darkest time. That was the kind of character that came out. He was uh, he was erratic, kind of uh, angry, but he was also, he kind of wanted to watch the world burn, but take pride in it. And I wanted to kind of personify that character into my music. So I created the character Calvero, which you will see in the next couple of months coming out in the, in a few singles and the EP that will eventually drop in August. But um, yeah, it's really exciting. It's really exciting stuff. He, yeah, okay. It's interesting you say that. Uh... That makes sense because it's not just. I haven't just seen that character in the Riddler video. There's another video where you feature Calvero, isn't it? But I. Yeah, so there's a little promo videos I've been doing as well, but there's also Dublin's Burning. Yes. Which was the spoken word piece. Uh, that it was a one shot take and it was a spoken word piece. And uh, it came out so well. And I'm so happy that it came out. And that was. Um, the introduction to the character, if you may say. You know, I Dublin's Burning speaks about my upbringing in Dublin, what I saw, how I feel, uh, how I felt, and uh, some of the stuff that my friends were going through. And 
I think I kind of took that weight upon my shoulders. And like I said, when I was in my dark time, that was the character who came out. So it was basically allowing Calvero, the character's name, to sit down and get out what he wants to say. And um, I love spoken word because there's no limitations to it. I can literally have any sort of rhyme scheme, flow, aggression, emotion I can do. And, it, it, you know, a lot of people gravitate towards it because I think people are really starting to like that kind of spoken word kind of stuff. I mean, because I love it and I think I'm going to keep doing it for a long while. So as long as people keep listening, I'm happy. Yeah, there's such a freedom in it. It's not, you know, yeah. you're not... Today I was like writing a song and enjoyed the melody, enjoyed uh, like chorus section. I'm sitting in this verse and I'm trying so you know, trying to fit in words that, you know, yeah. that I'm happy with lyrics, but I don't, I don't think I'll ever use the song because inevitably I can't actually fit something in that I'm extra, I'm happy with into that format. Yeah. And it's like, there's a limitation to that. And, exactly. I find, and, you know, with spoken word, you know, if you start with that process that, you know, there is no, it's just the words, then you say whatever you like, yeah, yeah go, cool. go whatever. And I, I, that's something actually I find, you know, really interesting. I think it's definitely in terms of hip hop artists and um, you know, rappers and obviously with acapella. Yeah. But the, the, the process of actually starting with words and then, you know, putting it on on beats. Are, are you would you I'm sure as a as a poet like you, you would do that. But when you have when you're given a beat or you're or you're creating a beat or whatever, you hear a bit of music. Are you taking a collection of words you've already written or does it happen for you that that'll that music will spawn something in the moment? Yeah, good question. It when I was starting off this in 20, 2019 with Matthew, I would arrive to Matthew's house because he's the producer and we work together. I'd arrive to Matthew's house house with like an A4 sheet pad just full of lyrics. You know what I mean? So like like cup of tea was just that song cup of tea was made when I just wrote that at home with no idea how the beat would sound or if it even would fit in a song. Uh, and I brought it to him and then we just worked around it and it just so happens that it worked out. And a lot of the time it did, sometimes it didn't and those songs never made it too. But uh, back then I used to do it like that. Now we make a song and it's all about kind of feeling because I'm trying to get used to that kind of, um, that kind of experience because a lot of, a lot of producers and um, instrumentalists, like they like to kind of go by feeling and the vibe within the room and the atmosphere when they start playing an instrument. And now when Matthew starts strumming his guitar, I go, yes, keep doing that. And I'd start freestyling along because I actually got really good at freestyling when I was younger. So I can freestyle the kind of sound in which I want and then add lyrics to it after if I like. Okay. But if I really want to get a, across something, I'd write it at home and I'd bear in mind the the instruments I'd, I'd like, uh, the the beat like beat time time bit times where I would take out the beat. You know, I make notes notes in my head and on my notes on my phone so I can bring it to Matthew instead of him just being like, right, what do you want here? So I try to structure it as best as possible. But these days, I love to just go off feeling, you know, because that's what music is kind of about. Um, if you play a grand piano, if you play some some really dark chords, obviously I'm going to be feeling that way. But if you pick the ukulele, I'm going to feel a completely different way, you know? So I'm really, really whatever I feel, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's a good, that's a, that's a good point. That's a good point. And look... I, th I think it is always a difficult question to ask artists. Um, but what do you have like a do you have a sort of 
you have a point that you're like looking to go towards or is this totally in the moment for you you just writing and enjoying it do you see yourself somewhere would you like to see yourself somewhere yeah you know connor um it's i'm very with something like that i even without the music myself as a person I've never really looked too far in the future. I'm very much someone who lives in the moment and tries to enjoy it as much as possible. And I've been so fortunate of the opportunities I've been given and how organically this has grown. You know, the Butterfly Boy was was when I was having a difficult time in my life and I flourished through the music. And then we had the Cocoon Project, which pushed us back into our home, homes, but it allowed us to make more music. And then Chrysalis was the vinyl, which was the last formation within that. So it was kind of like my own trilogy. So it works out for me in, in these very weird ways. And then I have the EP coming out, which is this alter ego, because I want to kind of speak upon how I was feeling back then in detail. So I kind of just, I kind of just see what happens. You know, I'm not, obviously you have aspirations and dreams in your life, but I think if you get too focused on them, you forget to live in the moment. And it was something that when I was going to gigs and shows, I was forgetting to look up to the limelight and, recognize how far i've come because if you're going to all these shows and you're doing tours and you're going on podcasts and going on radio it's as simple as a post to instagram and a story and that's it but i'm very much now trying to sit back recognize how far i've come mentally physically and with music and then from there trying to kind of take a mature approach to it because for so long i was just kind of like okay that's great now to move on um but these days i'm really trying to obviously know where I want to go, but very much live in the moment. Yeah. It's a, difficult, it's a difficult question, you know, but I think, yeah. and you know, who really knows what could come around the corner, but at the moment I'm very happy with where I am in my life and the friends I have and the music that's about to come out, you know, I'm, I'm quite content in, um, in who I am and as who I am as an artist as well. Yeah. When you're talking about being present and in the moment, I was actually speaking, I was doing an interview with, uh, another podcast and they're just talking to me about like why why i do music and doing the quite specific question was have i missed live music and why and i was saying yeah absolutely obviously but i think the reason that it's so with live performance the one thing that i really get from it is like presence and being in the moment and when I, that is like the only time if you're saying they're like you your person living in the moment i like i would love to be I'm not, I'm always thinking ahead and always, my mind is just like, it's always going and that like, it just never stops. But the only time it stops to probably two times when I'm sleeping and when I, I'm on stage and being on stage is the yeah. only time I ever feel that I get, I, I know there's been times in my past where I've had like severe worries and severe like anxieties about other things, but when I'm performing, it, that's the only thing I think about. You're dead right, man. Yeah. It's, you know. The best drug you could ever get that feeling being on stage is it's unlike anything i've ever experienced and when i did my first show and i performed to my friends and family i instantly fell in love with it and i knew that's what i wanted to do but when i saw a law corner back in 2017 in the button factory it's a 17 year old kid and i was watching it and like you said you lived in the moment i everyone was jumping around waving their hands having a great time i was stood static staring at this man like he's some sort of symbolic like symbolic uh presence in the room uh, but no he was just a person that 
uh, that just gave raw emotion and, and energy and passion on stage that I felt so attached to that I literally just would stand there and look at him in shock. And I left and I grabbed my mate Rory and I was like, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a rapper. He's like, shut, shut up, get back to school. <laughs> like, what are you on about? Um, and look at me now, like, and it's great, you know? So thank you, Law Carner, for that, you know? And then when I did my first car- when I did my first um, gig, I was like, this is it. This is what I'm doing. And I, I never looked back. Brilliant, man. Like it's been that's that was a that was just the most instant interview I think we've ever done. <laughs> like, so that was so good. It's just like it is. That's yeah, good. really enjoyed speaking with you, man. Um, before you go, uh, you you alluded to it earlier. Um, if if you know your influences, but if you had to if you had to give me a few bands at the minute or a few artists you're listening to at the minute that are really working for you, could you name them? Yeah, I'm really weird with music, Connor. You know, I'm, would you believe it or not, I actually don't have Spotify. And it I sounds terrible. No, it I, doesn't. That doesn't. Yeah. I, you know, and I, I've, I've been working off YouTube and I have since a kid because I'm comfortable with it and I know it and it's and it's comfortable with me. I have a weird relationship with it. But Spotify, you know, obviously we can talk about how poorly they pay their artists and whatever, but I'm just more comfortable with the layout of YouTube and it's what I've been using since I was a kid. So every time I go into YouTube, it's really whatever I'm feeling. I'll scroll through old playlists and I'll pick a song. And then if I, if I like that song, I'm going to start sticking with that emotion. You know, it's very much for me how I feel within the day, how I feel when I wake up, what I'm going to dress and what I'm going to listen to and how I'm going to act around people. And that is very much coincides with my music taste. So I think recently I've been listening to a lot of... Um, King Cruel is always someone that I love. He was a massive influence for me. King Cruel uh, showed me that I can be vulnerable and scream while I'm doing it, but also make it sound good. Um, I think Arlo Parks is a good friend of mine, and I love her as a person, but her music is amazing, and I love that. Um, some Irish people, Fontaine's DC, killing it. I absolutely love them. Um, I can't wait to see them live. But, you know... I think it's really whatever I'm feeling. Um, at the moment, I'm feeling myself and I'm really excited to get this music out. You know, I'm going to see what happens. And we're excited to hear it, man. Thanks a million for doing this. Thank you. Thanks so much, guys. Did you, like, anything to report? Anything new? Oh, yeah. Okay. You know the the, um, the Children of the Pellets? Yes. Uh, somebody came along and stole their um their to- their bonfire the other day, and they freaked out. Do you know who it was? Who stole them? Who mm-hmm. stole the bonfire? Mm-hmm. Um, it was uh, so. According to social media, it was um a body called the PSNIRA. PSNIRA. Yeah, this is what the pellet children are, are calling. The people who came and can took I, their pellets. They're accusing them. Can, yeah. can, I, can I ask you something? Go ahead. My vision of the pellet children are these children with no families. They just kind of get, they kind of like, you know, they, they live within the, they live within the fire for 363 days of the year and then they burn it and then they go around again collecting, but they're like, they look after each other. It's just like a collection of young orphans have you seen the horror film uh, children of the corn <laughs> yeah these are children of the pellets <laughs> right it is a, it is it's a it's a horrific affair 
and these poor these poor souls roam the earth um looking for delicious tasty pellets to munch down mm. now for any of the international listeners a pellet is something that you would get i don't know something delivered on like a big wooden pellet that a forklift lifts yeah yeah these children just love these things they can't get enough of these (laughs) if you were to leave one outside within minutes you (laughs) (laughs) the the pellet the children of the pellets appear they're they're normally either riding on scooters or um that was that's what i was going to ask you so this this the scooter boys and children pilots are they in cahoots? Often of... they will be, yeah. Often you will see um, a scooter boy and a, a pallet child hand <laughs> in hand, sort of um, spending time together. Their favourite pastime is to vape. Have you heard of vaping? They uh, divulge. Basically, they um they've got like a little stick with a light on it, and they they put it to their mouths, and then they blow like a smoky vapor trail. Right? It's very appealing to the pellet child and to the um scooter boy. They it's love kind of it. Like the, like, you know, when, have you ever seen Lord of the Rings? No. What's that? Well, there's a scene where they light the beacon of Gondor, and it it's it shows it, you know. It's it's a symbol for everyone to come together. I imagine the vape mm-hmm. would be the same instrument for the children of the pilots or the scooter boys brings it brings them together. Yes, they signal mostly through vape vaping, um, but also through uh, the the the. Have you heard of this drink called Buckfast? Uh, yeah, it rings a bell. This is a very big part of the um, the the pellet child Ceremonies. and the scooter boys lifestyle. Seems to give them strength. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, if you ever run into uh, a pellet child or a scooter boy, in fact, and they're trying to sort of, um, I don't know, uh, trying to kill you, which is very likely, mm-hmm. um, simply they can smell one drop of buckfast in like a thousand yards. <laughs> so just one drop of—that's all you need. Just put a thimble full of buckfast. Sort of on a, on railroad tracks, mm-hmm. and they'll run to the train and die, and then you can then you can be happy with yourself. That was quite dark, Peter. It got dark. It got dark <laughs> very quickly. I don't think we can use any of this pellet children stuff, unfortunately, yeah. because it is political. 